Welcome to the Immigrant Incorporate podcast. I'm excited to introduce my guest today. My guest is Jorge Pratica. Jorge is a Colombian native. He's an operations professional in the edtech space, and he has had over six years of experience in education. He has a master's in educational technology, innovation, and entrepreneurship from UNC Chapel Hill, as well as a bachelor's from Barton College. Jorge currently works as a services and support operations manager for Learn Platform, an education technology startup that aims to expand equitable access for all students to teaching and education technology that works best for them. Thanks for listening. Hello and welcome to the Immigrant Incorporate podcast. On this podcast, you will learn from lived experiences how to thrive in the corporate workplace as an immigrant. My name is Lola Adeyemo. I am the CEO of EQI Mindset and the founder of the nonprofit Immigrant Incorporate Inc. I work with organizations to build inclusive workplaces. On this podcast, I will be amplifying immigrant voices from within corporate organizations through solo episodes as well as guest interviews. It is a global world of work, and I'm very sure you can learn a thing or two from my guests who are originally from different parts of the world and their experiences working in the corporate workplace. Hi, Jorge. Thank you so much for being here. I'm excited to have a conversation with you. And thanks for accepting my invite to come on. Um, looking forward to chatting with you about your immigrant experience. Yeah, same, Lola. Happy to be here. All right. First, thank you, everyone, for being here. Uh, my name is Lola Adeyemo, the host of the Immigrant Incorporate podcast. And my guest today is Jorge Pradilla. And I'm looking forward to have him start off by introducing himself. Yeah, that's right. I'm currently uh, an operations manager for... Uh, Learn Platform is an edtech company in the uh, Triangle area in in Raleigh, North Carolina, which currently helps districts, school districts, uh, local education agencies, state education agencies, and just other organizations in the in the education space to uh, make better decisions uh, about what tools are the best for their students. Right, and mm-hmm. um, I've, I'm a Colombian native. I've been in the U.S. for over 10 years, uh, I've been through a lot of challenges, definitely through as, as an immigrant, both in the immigration process, right? And also just adapting to the culture. So yeah. I'm happy to be here and, and share a little bit more about that. Yeah. So let's start with that. Let's start with the first thing that we want to know about you, which is your immigration story. I, I think one of the things I always tell people too is that every immigrant is not the same. Our experiences are different. And I love hearing people talk about that. Like, what was the decision like to move to the U.S. and what was your path uh, to entry, as much as you want to share? Yeah, I came here when I was uh, 19, but the process started way before that. I was pretty much obsessed with tennis, right? So I'm a, I'm a or I was a pretty good athlete back in the day. One of my goals was to be able to play college tennis and be part of the NCAA tennis. And looking for opportunities was was very very interesting from from my perspective. Growing up in Colombia, the Americans are very uh, aware of this the, the preparation that needs to happen before you go to college. 
you sometimes go on tours of multiple mm-hmm. schools. You talk to a lot of folks about their experiences. But I, there were not a lot of people that have gone through what I wanted to go through, which was get a college scholarship and be able to to move to the U.S. I was I was fortunate enough to find this organization that helped me find those opportunities. And that led me to get a scholarship at Barton College, which is a, a small liberal arts school in North Carolina, right? And, okay. and that was like the first step of my dream of like really playing college tennis was getting into the school. And it was it was pretty tricky too, but. Wow, that means you were more than just good. You were really good. <laughs> I, yeah, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I, I don't know about that, but yes, I, I played division two. So um, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah it was yeah, it was a really great experience. Did you play tennis through college? Did you take up that? Yeah, work? yeah, I played. I played four years, and okay. I'm glad to say, like a lot of the folks that I met through uh, through the program were pretty much my family, right? Because you don't have. Mm-hmm. I do have family in the U.S., but I don't like had any family at, at least on a, on a driving distance, right? So okay. I had to rely on on this group of folks from the tennis team, which. The large majority were international students like me. So they were pretty much my family during those mm. years. Oh, that's awesome. How did you move from that? What was your major in college? And how did you get into uh, corporate America? Yeah, at first I was trying to find my way around, like what is the major that I want to to be part of? And I like the U.S. that it gives you a lot of flexibility when choosing your major sometimes you can right. definitely if you don't like what you do the first year it's mm-hmm. very easy to change and switch um i started doing sports management okay. and from there i was like i had a very good teacher that suggested me hey maybe you want to integrate business management with that i also added fitness management so i was doing triple like i was doing a lot of managing at some point right like three majors and with a sports schedule too right with a sports schedule that's right so it was it was pretty packed but that sort of helped me figure out okay this three things what i want to focus more on and business was one of the ones that i think was the better fit okay for me and you know after i I was fortunately at the pre pretty well in college. We had some really great activities organized by the business school. One of them was a sort of a create your own startup kind of process in which I started to get into education a little bit. I've always been sort of a fan of using business processes to improve some of the processes that we have in education to see if we can make it a little bit more um, modernized and better adapted to the 21st century. And uh <laughs> Yeah, because there's a lot of challenges, right, with that. Yeah. Um, and that led me to sort of, I won that competition. I won it with my with my buddy from Spain. And, and from that competition, we uh, leveraged some of the context to, to be able to get into IMG Academy, which is a, like a top tennis academy in uh, Bradenton, Florida. And, you know, if you know Serena Williams, if you know Andre Agassi, Kenny Shikori, some like really big tennis players that were they used to train. And uh, the friends that I made in, in at Barton College allowed me to sort of network and be able to work there for a summer. And then I became like a tennis coach full time. Okay. Yeah. And that was, that was, and little by little, I went transitioning from like a tennis coach. I did my, my master's at UNC Chapel Hill. Um, in education technology. And then that allowed me to sort of get a little bit more into the education realm where I wanted to be in. Okay. In okay. Yeah, no, I know. I love the flexibility aspect of it. I think it's really helpful, especially coming in for 
So you came in for your bachelor's, right? And I, I think I had a different experience because I came in as a student as well, but I came in for my master's, which is a mm-hmm. very short time. And then you're locked in to that choice, that field for your with your visa. So <laughs> there's not as much yes. flexibility, <laughs> both in terms of your program and in terms of the kind of jobs you can do, right? So let's talk about the legal aspect a little bit then, because I'm also curious myself. As I said, you came in for bachelor's, which is a longer term program, and it's a sponsored uh, visa, I guess, for um, sports, for school. So you were in school for a while since you did your master's as well, right? Yeah. So first to get it to get into the university, I think that was one of the biggest hurdles because the amount of paperwork that's required for U.S. immigration is is fairly fairly long. Uh, you also need to have one of the biggest challenges is you need to have enough funds to cover yourself for uh, an amount of time and you can you need to show right. bank statements, you need to show, you know, and and doing all this while trying to figure out how how does it work, it was very tricky. It took me a, a couple times going to the US embassy to actually figure out, okay, I have all the paperwork that I needed. Yeah. Right. But then when I was in school and I, and I finished my bachelor's, then a lot of questions came up about how am I able to to secure a job? Because I, you know, I had that opportunity. Once you finish your your bachelor's, you have that OPT, that one year that you have uh, for experience. So I was, I guess, fortunate that they didn't ask me about H one B sponsorship when I was applying. But that would have been a, a pretty big challenge, right? Because uh, I know if if you look at any job description right now, it's gonna say, "Are you looking to?" be sponsored Um, and a lot of times companies will just outright reject if you say anyone that needs a a sponsorship and i was thinking about that once my opt year ended i was thinking about okay should i ask for a sponsorship or should i not and that is a very hard conversation to have because the organization is happy with what you're doing so the academy was you know very happy to, for me to be there, but at the same time, it's very tricky for them. Uh, and I like to see it from the perspective of the employer. You have to pay the federal government, you have to pay thousands of dollars to sponsor somebody. You also have to go into this lottery. So like, even if you pay and you decide to sponsor somebody, it's the uncertainty, I think. It's not so much the expense, but the fact that you are going to pay that money and there's a big chance that you may lose it. I've had several friends where they tried to go through the lottery process and they weren't able to. They didn't get selected in the lottery. So, so yeah, so from the organizational perspective as well, the reason yeah. why a lot of companies are hesitant when it comes to visa sponsorship is they don't even want to deal with that. The process is not very friendly at all. Yeah, it is designed that way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And, and, you know, we keep having all of these conversations. When I started getting into these, I was very determined that, you know, it's not about the legal. Um, I'm not a political person. I don't want to get into policy. But there's an overlap here when we talk about corporate workplace and, and the STEM workforce and the process to get into work and to fill jobs where there are needs, right? So we have people that are qualified. We have people coming but the process is not designed to make it easy to hire somebody who is qualified to do the job. That's right. Yeah, that's right. And also it's it's very complex and there's a lot of misconceptions about what goes into this process and 
I think a lot of people understate that they think it's very easy. <laughs> they think, well, you just get sponsored by a company. Now, I mean, how hard? Like, yeah, you may spend on that, but no, it's it's yeah. so much more than goes into that, and so many discussions with your organization. So that makes it really hard, and that's why I decided maybe that, and it's it's a, also a big commitment for you once you commit to that H one B visa, you have to sort of renew it on a consistent basis. And it, there's a big level of uncertainty. So I decided if I want to keep doing this, I probably should get my master's. Um, and once I get my master's, I'll have a little bit more certainty about what I want to do with my career. And that will mm-hmm. probably help as well with, with the immigration process, with right? The immigration process. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm glad you're here. So <laughs> let's kind of move into the corporate workplace and your experience getting into the workforce now, right? Um, outside of school as an immigrant, what has that been like? And what has your career progression been like? Yeah. So once I, I finished my master's program, I was able to secure a, a job with um, uh, American Home State Network, which actually deals with international students coming into the U.S. Okay. I uh, pretty much organized the operations for for the Southeast region. So I worked with kids from, it was great. I worked with kids from uh, Japan, Germany, worked with kids from Saudi Arabia, from India, from China. Hmm. Uh, and it was a really great experience to get to know some different cultures. And, you know, I worked for an Australian company that was also had um, a location in the U.S. So um, I would say the culture wasn't necessarily what you expect of like regular corporate America, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I guess what would be a better representation of that would be like at my current position, uh, Learn Platform is about less than 100 employees, um, but it's a I would consider a startup in the education technology space. And it has been a great fit for me personally. It has allowed for a lot of flexibility. Getting the position, it took me a, a long time, a lot of a lot of research trying to connect with the right people. Um, I was very fortunate that on my program at UNC uh, Chapel Hill, uh, the CEO of the company came to talk to us. So that was the way that I used to, to sort of connect with the organization and to start learning a little bit more about it. And once I was like, you know, once I was convinced that they was the right fit, I went and applied, and and I got it right. But yeah, it's it's been it's been uh, tricky, sort of trying to navigate that process and understand what are the requirements, especially with all the immigration talk on the background. Yeah. Um, I was able to get my my green card thanks to uh, you know my wife is American. That was part of the process, but it wasn't easy. It's not like people say, "Yeah, you you get married," and it's it's very straightforward. Now it's 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 still very challenging. You have to go through interviews. You have to collect a lot of paperwork. Right. There's a lot of uncertainty from your employer being like, "Well, you're in this process," but some documents say that you know. Right. It's it. There's a lot of misconception about that. Right. You're getting the legal legal aspect taken care of in a different way outside of your employer. But there's still a lot of dependency, right? Because they are not doing the work for you as far as the legal status goes, but the decision here can also impact your work. Of course, yeah. That's, uh, I think, the number one repercussion from this process is like your ability to work really and sustain yourself. Right. And, and it's like something that is hanging over you. You know, you are doing your job. Yeah. They like the work you're doing, but there's this thing, this other thing that, you don't have control over that can impact, you know, your career. And and so yeah. as an immigrant, you know, with your background, what are some of the area, other areas uh, outside of, you know, legal status 
how did that impact your work or your career progression? Is there anything that maybe helped you or held you back as far as being raised somewhere else and then now working in corporate America? Yeah, no, that's that's a very good question. I think let's start with what uh, helped a lot. I was extremely fortunate to have a background where I started learning English at like seven years old, right? Like it, it was very early on. So um, in terms of speaking, communicating, understanding, it was tough at first, figuring out accents and figuring out how people communicate at work. But having the university experience really allows you to to get in there and and practice in a, in a safe environment so you don't feel like you know it's it's not a big cultural shock i mean it, right. of, of course it is but but to some extent you it's it's softer than if you like start a, a new job at a for for, for a new company and you're expected to know right um, all of this so so tell me what what was your native language and why did you learn english at age seven was that just your family decision or for you? Um, yeah, no, it, it was, um, I went to the Anglo-Colombian school in, in, in Bogota, Colombia. So we, we speak Spanish, uh, of course. And there was a lot of classes where were taught even in English. So I took chemistry in English, I took biology in English. The school made a pretty big effort on having teachers just teach in, in English, even if it was a little tricky for them. As you could see, a lot of them were perhaps not as comfortable teaching in English as they were in Spanish. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I think I think that was that was instrumental to help me like accommodate. And I had a bunch of other friends that also went through this process of the, the scholarship, but they their English preparation, unfortunately, well, it, it wasn't the same. And mm-hmm. I don't blame them. It's just a, it's it's tough. Right. You know, it's it's something that I was very lucky to have. It's struggle because you tend to look for your your own Colombian community or your Latino community. And once you look for that, it makes it harder to some degree to like connect with native speakers or maybe other international students where you can communicate more in English and really practice and put all this in, in place. Right. And I guess language is also, or communication is always an interesting topic too, because it depends on what part of the U.S. you are and the accents. And even though you speak English, because I know for me, I moved from Nigeria to Texas and the accent was just so different, you know, from, yes, I couldn't hear what people were saying and they couldn't hear what I was saying. (laughs) Um, But even spending less than two years in graduate school helped. Because you're right, in graduate school, at least you get some diversity. You have people also coming from different countries. And for me, I didn't have a lot of Nigerians in my grad school. So I'm connecting with other immigrants from other countries. So I'm learning to listen differently, to take some more time to understand what people are saying. The same way they are learning to do that for me, right? So I think that that definitely helps it's not just about speaking english <laughs> in, in, in yeah, corporate right. america yeah any other area where when you got into work you kind of noticed that you had to maybe make extra effort or um, needed a couple more help well in in terms of some areas that may have been helpful uh, there's a lot of experiences that americans have that Sometimes when communicating, they take for for granted, right? Uh, yeah. There's areas like I I work in education, 
So there's a lot of common understanding of like what the American education experience is for everyone, right? That you go from uh, elementary to middle school to high school. There's always these transitions. There's AP classes and all that. And for me, the, the education experience was very different. I went to a private school. So I went from elementary to high school. That was the, that was the same people. I'd never changed schools in my life. So uh, I always had, I was at the same school. Well, in here you go from elementary, you meet other people in middle school, you meet other people in high school. Um, You take AP classes. For me, it was different. It was IB as well, international baccalaureate classes. So um, there's some, there's some concepts that um, perhaps you're a little bit afraid to ask clarifications about because for most people it's, it's it's common knowledge, common you know? knowledge like for exactly. you it's, it's it's sometimes very different and you don't want to seem like it's if it's in your subject area so i'm i'm in education i i should know these things right, right? right. but in fact you know asking those questions especially if it's a group meeting can be very awkward so what what has been incredibly helpful to me is and i've been i guess very fortunate is just i have pretty supportive teams so i i can feel very comfortable asking folks hey what do you necessarily mean about about this concept mm. like i think i've been enough time in my career and i've i've been doing operations in education for more than 6 years so i'm fairly comfortable with the lingual but at first i definitely had to pull people aside it's like hey what what exactly meant by this yeah. being able to ask those questions and feeling comfortable is is key i think with yeah, um, yeah. feeling like included you know without inclusiveness i i like that and this is why i love talking to different because that's a a perspective that i haven't even thought about right you're in education but you didn't actually spend the bulk of your education in the u.s and so all of these terminologies i'm a parent and some of these things i'm learning it as i go as well (laughs) it's just like all of the grades and i still have to check to see what grade middle school starts from and where high school starts from Right. So, uh, yeah, I like I like how you talk about that because this impacts the way you do your work. This is where you're working and people can just assume that you should know it because everybody knows. Right. <laughs> yeah, um, that's right. OK, so th- um, thank you for thank you for sharing that. I think that was a very important one. Um, if you think about the audience um, listening to these, if you think about the audience we're trying to impact. Right. Somebody who is in the position you were in, just coming into a new country as an immigrant, getting into the corporate workplace and maybe kind of stuck in their career, unsure how to advance, or an international student who has no idea, you know, what it's like working in the corporate workplace just yet, but is going to get there. What are some of the maybe assumptions that you had that you think they might have and your insights might be helpful? Or maybe if you have some of the tools that worked, I think you mentioned it a little bit, um, one of them being able to pull people aside, having that support from team members so that you feel safe enough to ask questions. I think that's really important. But if you wanted to put in your own words, if you wanted to share, to speak directly to those kind of people, how do you think they can be better prepared or they can continue to thrive in, in their jobs as immigrants? Yeah, I think uh, one of the biggest uh, assumptions that I made going into my professional career is that people understood and had a, had a pretty good knowledge of the immigrant experience. You know, the U.S. being the land of, of immigrants, uh, yeah, you would think. Experiences, experiences have differed yeah. a lot from 
if you had a grandfather that perhaps came here as an immigrant or, uh, you know, the big waves of Irish and Scottish immigrants or Italians, it, their experiences were very different. So you have to you have to keep in mind that a lot of people don't know and they may be making assumptions right. about your status, about your uh, understanding and knowledge. So networking was was really a good opportunity for me to understand which people were a little bit more familiar with the process, what stage their company was at. It's a lot easier for a larger organization with a lot of resources like Google, Microsoft, uh, Facebook to sponsor immigrants. And some other smaller organizations may be willing, but may not understand how the process works. Mm -hmm. So they may see it as a barrier. Right. Right. So um, if you're if you're looking to work, if you're an international student looking to work, uh, perhaps larger organizations that have a track record with helping folks uh, get uh, sponsorships would be probably a, a, a good decision to, to look for, or, or a good group for you to look for. Yeah. Um, and there are resources out there. I, I don't remember them on the top of my head where you can find organizations that have sponsored folks in the past. Um, right. It definitely helps if you come from a STEM background, that being uh, science, technology, engineering and math. engineering and mathematics. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Those are the ones that get like, not only get an, an sponsorship, but they also get an extension on their OPT mm -hmm. on their, their year after college. So yeah. those are some of the things to consider as well. Yeah. Thank you. And you, you made mention of a very important thing, which is the networking, just as you said, right. The companies might not know and Unfortunately, we have to be in a position to be better informed so that we can make the right decisions. The support, the process for coming into college in America is very different. There's an immigrant, there's an international student office and you can go there and find resources. What does the school provide? We don't have that when it comes to the workplace. There's no office, you know, there's one HR, there's the recruiting team. There's nobody within a company that will tell you what to do as an immigrant. And, and so that's, I, I think that's an important one to really acknowledge that we need to make, build our own network for the industry you're in. If you're in STEM, if you're not in STEM, build your own network uh, so that you yes. can find out what materials or information are out there. And yeah, thank you for sharing that. Yeah, and I think uh, also inside your organization, I was part of, and I'm still part of uh, our first uh, DEI committee, Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Committee. And part of that is uh, being able to share some of those perspectives that you have that that may not be taken into consideration. There's a, there's definitely a lot of, of uh, diversity work going on, but there's other voices that perhaps are not as, as equally as, as heard, perhaps for typically immigrants, uh, understanding like what is an immigrant from a, not only from a traditional college background, but immigrants from non-traditional backgrounds, you know, right. from folks that maybe did an associate's degree or came to the U.S. through other means, uh, finding opportunities for them uh, right. amid a ton of talented people uh, that are struggling right now just to find a, a job because of the, the position, the, the, yeah. the immigration process. So 
Yeah, and I think you, you also talked about because it's changing, right? Things are changing when it comes to immigration right. policies. Mm -hmm. And if we don't have, yeah, that's a key one, joining diversity, equity, and inclusion committees and task forces at our organizations because they just might not know if people are not coming forward to talk about some of the challenges or those areas of opportunities will be missed because the people at the table just don't think about that. And, and maybe that's, you know, diversity, equity, and inclusion work overall is bringing a diverse perspective. And, and the challenge is that for immigrants, a lot of times we're so head down, just trying to figure things out and, and get through. And there's a lot of missed opportunity around being at the tables where the conversations are happening around how to yeah. build inclusion. So that's, Inclusion for immigrants is also taken into account. Yeah, yeah. You have to become sort of an advocate yeah. of immigrants that are going to be in the future inside your organization. So you have to make sure that you uh, that you prep your company, that you, you actively participate in making these, these decisions around what how are we going to support a more diverse, diverse workspace and be part of that conversation? And I think it's even more important now as the world gets more global, right? People are yeah. working in one location and living somewhere else. Uh, people are realizing they can be 100% remote. Companies have offices in multiple countries, right? So employees relocate. Even if you hire your employee and they're working somewhere, there might be an opportunity and I travel to another country. I become an immigrant in that country and I'm still working That's for the right. same company. Yeah. Thank you so much. This was really good. I I love I love recapping about uh, networking. I love recapping about different perspectives around the legal barriers <laughs> for workplaces because we want to know that sometimes the assumptions and the the fuzziness around the sponsorship process can also be deterring companies from being attractive to making immigrants unattractive to potential employers. Uh, but once you get in there, there are also opportunities to make a difference for other immigrants. So thank you. I, I appreciate you coming on and sharing your insights. Any last words, any final thoughts around this topic? I guess it's if you're an international student or a, an immigrant that's, that's listening to this and thinks are pretty frustrating. There's uh, a lot of people that have gone through the same experience and they're all probably equally frustrated, but there's some avenues that you can definitely leverage. And the more you know about the process and the more you learn about the culture, the better your chances are to be in the US. But I think I heard another one of your of the folks that came to, to talk here and don't close yourself in just the U.S. You know, there's so many opportunities, so many countries that are willing to attract right. uh, talent that I think it's important to sort of open yourself to to other opportunities. Uh, right. The U.S. is a great country, but there's other greater right. countries. So, uh, and that's a good out. point. Yeah. yeah, that's a good point because you do have the education, especially if you're coming as an international student. You have gotten this quality education that you came here for, which, you know, a lot of us, that's the attraction is you want to come to the best institutions uh, in the U.S. for your programs. That's usually the starting point. But you can take that and package yourself and still be equally attractive to uh, other companies and other countries. So, yeah, don't be limited. Thank you. Yeah, that's a good one. 
All right, Jorge, thank you so much for coming on. It was nice getting to know you and I look forward to more conversations around this topic. Absolutely. Thank you so much. It was great. Thank you for joining me, Lola Adeyemo, as always, for these important conversations on the corporate world of work from the immigrant perspective. For more resources and upcoming events, please visit our website, www.immigrantsincorporate.org. You can also follow us on Instagram at Immigrants Incorporate. If you are on LinkedIn, please join the group Thriving in Intersectionality-Immigrants Incorporate America. There will be a new episode every week, so make sure you are subscribed to get notified. Please leave us a rating, leave a review, and I hope to see you next time. Thank you.